What up, folks? This is your boy, the Pittsburgh Golf Hack, and you're listening to the official podcast. This is Garen. This is Rich. And you're listening to episode five, The Lloyd Christmas. <laughs> Rich, just when you thought our golf <laughs> games couldn't possibly get any worse, we go and do something like we have over the past month and totally, and totally redeem, redeem ourselves. ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, folks. We are back. Oh, the positivity is God. flowing. And I still got room for one more if you want to go to Aspen, buddy. Ah, <laughs> get 60 miles to the gallon on this hog. That's right, baby. Uh, oh. our, dude, our golf games are an absolute roller coaster. Um, Man, <laughs> you you said it. Like, it, it's, it can be uh, so, so good and so bad and, and frustrating on both sides. Like... Yeah, it, it can. It's just it's an up and down, dude. Um, but I've enjoyed. I'm with you. Uh, from May to June, uh, the doom and gloom has left. The summer sun has set back in, and thank goodness, I'm striking the ball halfway decent again. Yeah, I uh, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, if you go back, so folks, listeners, if you haven't listened to uh, episode four, do yourself a favor. Go and uh, get yourself a stiff drink and oh. sit down and listen to the deep, dark place that we went to in our last podcast. Uh, it wasn't oh. good. Our, our golf no. games had taken a, they'd taken a turn for the worst. And, uh, uh, nosedive would be the operative term. <laughs> yeah. shooting, shooting six figures for the first time in 15 years was not where I wanted to be this time in the year (laughs) nope but Um, things have changed the calendar has changed and so have we garen and it is time to talk about all of the good things tide has turned so uh after our our debacle of last month we uh we have turned it around a good bit and so i'm gonna i'm gonna go to my gin here and i'm gonna share with you the aftermath of what happened after I imploded last month. So after imploding last month, I literally turned around the following week and uh, went to my home course, which is Conley Resort uh, in Valencia, PA, which I still don't know why. I don't know why I haven't put out a video on that course. It's a beautiful course. Um, I'm going to have to do that. But nevertheless, my you know my average score there here lately has been 86 87 that that's been that's been a pretty good day for me there right and i turned around and number 1 shot the lowest score not only have i shot there period but also the lowest score that i have shot on the front 9 i oh, shot nice. i shot 3 over which is 39 on the front 9 of of conley that day nice and and the back nine gets a little bit more difficult because it becomes much more of a shot maker's course but uh ended up shooting 83 that day so really good cool really good score for me and then followed it up with the 84 at birdsfoot golf club which if you pittsburghers if you're listening do yourself a favor number one go to my youtube channel on the pittsburgh golf hack check out the review that i did on birdsfoot um but also do yourself a favor 
take the 45 minute drive outside of Pittsburgh and go play Bird's Foot. It it is a beautiful Lynx course. Very tough course. Um and I pulled out an 84 on that course, Rich. Oh man. I I feel you. I, I so you know, what I'll uh, just real quick, I'll give you my last four scores since uh, coming back from my golf trip, which was uh, which ended on uh, five sixteen, uh, exactly a month ago tomorrow. And uh, I came back, didn't play golf for four days, and went out and fired a crispy seventy eight at Riviera. Uh, followed that up a couple days later with an eighty at Esquire. An 85 at Logan Country Club, a little nine-hole track that really has my number. Like, I don't know what it is about LCC that has my number, but it, it's not a hard course. No, but it, has, it just has no defense whatsoever. Hardly no. any bunkers. Actually, I don't even know if there are any bunkers. Are there any bunkers at all? There's some. Course? There's some. Uh, there's some grass waste stuff out there. Okay. Um, uh, number number eight has a grass waste bunker that used to be sand on the left and the right. Uh, but they're grass waste grass waste bunkers now. Um, shot an 85 there. Uh, another I fired an 84 at Riviera and uh, managed to fire myself an 88 at Esquire on a very hot, very 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 slow day. So I, I've had I've played some good golf, um, just the same as you. It's it's uh, Things that things have managed to rebound, to say the very least, here at the Peyton Homestead. Hmm. Yeah, I, I can I can attest. Um, you know, and the Riviera one seventy eight is is uh, you know it sounds you know listeners out there we're we're still hack golfers. Uh, the seventy eight at Riviera is it's still around in the seventies, man. No no sneezing at it uh but the the slope rating and everything knocks the differential down pretty pretty drastically on that one it's more probably like a it's probably about an 80 at esquire yeah yeah absolutely no i i have i have no problem with it and like you said it's around in the 70s and it's an ego booster and that's why i went there that day after firing a 98 at silver creek four days prior um I went there and and you know put myself a, a score on the board and and played really well um, played with a guy, I actually got paired up with a guy that I had never played with before, didn't know from Adam, and, um, had a really great time with him, he was a good golfer as well, I think he shot 79, I think I beat him by a stroke, and, uh, we had a blast together, it was a, it was a good, you know, it was a quick round, it wasn't, it wasn't crowded there at all, which is very, uh, it's very uncommon at Riviera these days, people are everywhere, right. but, uh, we had a we had a great round and played really well. I've played I've played good golf as of late. Yeah, I've had a few experiences with that getting paired up here recently with some really great guys. And I, you know, as much as we're probably going to talk and and uh, you know discuss a little bit about what I'd like to call COVID golf in some of our later episodes, we're not going to get in that today. But no, nope. um, the uh, you know some of the golfers that are out there are are I mean legit great golfers to not only play with but you know great people to hang out with as well it's been some really good people but um i'm right there with you i you know in addition to that you know i had the 83 and the 84 at bird's foot um and i also shot i got another 44 uh nine hole round that's kind of pending out there but i'll tell you probably my most proud round that i've had actually came today on my way 
out here, uh, Pittsburgh, hold on to your hold on to your seats. I am uh, I'm actually broadcasting to you all today straight from the belly of the beast, the land of the purple birds. I Oof. am in Baltimore, Maryland. Ugh. Sorry. Yeah. I uh it, it's not a great place Pittsburgh. It's terrible. The hotel the hotel walls are are lined with purple wallpaper. <laughs> um I think I heard some crows out in the lobby, uh, some ravens out in the out in the lobby. And uh I I do have to say I, I have to admit I actually uh I actually indulged in a Maryland crab cake this evening. But uh, rest, ass- rest assured, not all's lost. Uh, I did have myself some French fries, and I had Heinz ketchup to to save the day on on the French fries. So it's not all lost, Pittsburgh. But <laughs> that's what Maryland does: crab cakes and football. <laughs> yeah, well, they do the crab cakes. I'd, I'd argue if they do the football well. But <laughs> the, uh, oh my but, gosh! But no, the uh, the most proud round I had actually came today. Uh, this evening, on my way out here to Baltimore, I actually stopped and I played at a course called Rocky Gap Casino Resort and Golf Course. I'm, I'm actually familiar with this place. I haven't been there, but I am familiar with Rocky Gap. Beautiful course. I will tell you this. It, it gets beat mm-hmm. to death. Um, a, lot of, a lot of divots in the fairway. Tee boxes are a little bit uh, beat up on the par threes, but it's a Jack Nicklaus course. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'd never played it, and they, they stuck me with a, a twosome, had, you know, so that adds a little bit to the stress and everything. Sure. But I still managed to go out today and shoot an 87 on that course. Look at you. a boy. What's the slope on it? Slope on it was 135. Uh, course rating was 70.3. It's a differential of 14. So not, not one of my lowest lately. The bird's foot was definitely the lowest. Oh yeah, you had a great round at Bird's Foot. But uh, Rocky Gap, Rocky Gap was—I was actually really proud of that because very sloping fairways, uh, a lot of blind shots, and, sure. and the the greens were undulating. Is not even the—it's not even the—it's uh, not even the word to explain it. <laughs> Doesn't do it any justice, eh? No, no. <laughs> so, so that's probably my most proud round. Um, and again, another one, Pittsburghers, if you're looking for somewhere to travel for a weekend getaway, I would highly, highly recommend going out there to Rocky Gap. They have a nice little lake. You got the, the casino, you can stay at the resort and the golf really wasn't that expensive. I think 50 bucks, something like that. That's great. Heck yeah. So we can't beat that man. No, it, it was, it was a good, uh, it was a good round. So, but you know, I guess kind of off our pedestals, we've we've kind of put the uh, the bugaboos behind us. Um, we have. I think we got some stuff to work on stuff. And to to wrap that part of it up, I'll say the good. The takeaway from the good on my part is my chipping has has been much much better, uh, which we'll talk about in a minute, and my putting has been outstanding. I have been sinking some unbelievable putts here lately. Uh, shout out to Costco and the Kirkland Signature Putter. <laughs> not, not a sponsor. Not a sponsor yet. <laughs> um, but the bad, uh, it, it's not terrible. It's not nowhere near as bad as what it has been in the past. But when I miss with driver, I'm still slicing right. 
It's not. It's not nowhere near as drastic as what it used to be, but it's still there. Yeah, it's gonna be there. You, you, you're a natural fade player off the tee, and and it, you know, a lot of us are. A lot of us amateurs are. I'm actually, uh, I'm fighting the opposite. My miss is right. Remember, folks, I'm a lefty. Um, I'm hooking some stuff off of the tee, and um, it's just some timing stuff that I've been working through. So I get it. I, I it, it's all, it's all about timing falling into place. Unfortunately, as amateurs, we rely more on timing in our hands than uh, than the pros do, who have really consistent, steady swings through their lower body, and they're quiet uh, with their upper body, and we, as amateurs, just aren't. And uh, I get it. Totally get it. It's yeah, uh, I'm, t- I'm trying to swing less with my upper body and, and let my let my hips and kind of hands and, and everything do the work and let the club do the work for me. So I, I will tell you this. Uh, it was interesting. I went up to the uh, to the launch monitor, the Trackman Simulator up the road here, uh, here just a few weeks ago, right? And um, just toying with it, just letting the club do do the do the work, not swinging as hard. And I was actually surprised because I expected to lose probably close to 10 mile an hour swing speed with the way I was swinging it. But I guess what you don't realize is when you're firing your hips through the ball like that, you're letting the club head release at a better release point and, and you're actually not losing any swing speed if anything if, if you were able to pick it up just a little bit you could probably actually gain swing speed 100 percent. that's uh that's what i'm trying to learn um and, and and what what's what's frustrating is is so i finally come into uh striking these these uh new titleist that I started playing last year really, really pure, and I am hitting my irons as well as I have ever hit them, ever. And, and I mean, ever. Any set of irons I've ever had. Um, they're they're long, they're flighted, they spin. Um, just it, 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 to, to, to kind of put it in perspective, I normally hit it with any other set of clubs that I've ever had. I, I've hit my seven iron a maximum of 155 yards. Um, I hit a green uh, my last round from 168. I pulled a seven iron and stuck it within four feet of the cup. Wow. Um, it's just, it, it, and it's every iron throughout the bag right now. Um, but what I've found that, that I'm trusting with my irons is that I am extremely, my tempo is, is as easy and, and, effortless as I I could swing and I'm getting these crazy distances and they're they're crazy consistent and it so there's something up with me when I get on the tee I I it automatically you know oh it's go time I gotta go I gotta swing I gotta swing and uh end up hooking it right because my hands get ahead of my body and it shuts the club face down and I hit a hit a little snap hook or a trap draw and I'm right into the trees normally, so uh, I feel your pain. Uh, I'm I'm getting a little quick, and you're getting a little lazy. Yeah. If we could only find the middle of that, dude. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, that that's so, a story for another day, I guess. But God, uh, absolutely. We're either way. I feel like we're making progress. I think that I think that there's, I mean, there's just a few little things there that I think if we can move the needle on them, you're you're talking about big differences. Um, yep. 
absolutely. It's it's the stroke saving mistakes or it's the stroke killing mistakes that that I've I've got to to, to fix. Um, and I think I, I've managed to fix over the last four or five rounds, which is why I've been able to to, to place some scores in the eighties and the high seventies. Um, you know, chunking chips, proximity to the hole from inside 75 yards uh has to be better and and i honestly i'm with you my i've putted much better like much 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 better yep. than i did at the, at the beginning of the year i have more confidence in my putter and i'm rolling it pure more pure and i think that that also has a lot to do with you know greens are starting to firm up they're cutting greens you know every week and and we're starting to get some consistency on the green green that we're we're, we're rolling on a weekly basis so um I'll chalk that up to consistency too, and I just don't suck as much right now. Now, <laughs> this may be a completely different conversation for July, but you know what? The suck is gone, and I'm embracing it. Yeah, you mentioned something there um, that's gonna kind of lead into our next topic. So, you, you yeah, mentioned, you mentioned chipping, and uh, first and foremost, would like to give a uh, a big congratulations to Phil Mickelson after his victory at the PGA Championship uh, at Kiowa Island, the Ocean Course. Congratulations, Lefty. Uh, Phil will probably never hear this or even no. care. But, uh, you That's know, okay. my, my heartfelt gratitude goes out to the man. He has fought in his career, and you talk about chipping. Um, he's the master. In my opinion, he's a short game guy. He's the, he's the guy that uh, if I had my, you know, you had to pick a, a PGA player um, with with a, you know, with a wedge in their hand uh, with your life savings on the line. Um, he is one of three guys and he is number one to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, hands down. I, I love watching Phil play. I'm going to be sad the day that he. Uh, he hangs it up on the tour, but, uh, you know, I think he's still got a lot left in the tank, and I think he's still oh, yeah. got, got some great things to prove to the, to the golf world. But Speaking uh, of which, like, what a career renaissance this guy has had in, in you know, uh, he's, a, he's a big inspiration to me. He lost the weight and, and, and completely changed how he lived his life and, and focused on his golf game, and, man, it's complete career renaissance for the guy. Oh, I know. It's it's unbelievable. And you I mean, you just look at the condition that the man's in at his age and it's like I'm yeah. not in that shape at thirty eight. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's it's cool, man. It's cool to watch and uh I've always idolized him being a lefty. Um, you know, grew up a Tiger fan and I'm still a Tiger fan now and I'll I'll never not be, but uh Phil was always a close second for me and it's pretty awesome to see him uh winning majors in his fifties and you know, uh, I think he's going to be competitive this week um, at Tory. I really do. You know, yeah. Phil Phil's traditionally played well at Tory over the years, and uh, really looking forward to seeing how he plays in this U.S. Open with some really thick rough. That's one thing that he he's going to get in trouble. You know, Phil Phil likes to play from trouble, and if any of you have, out there on social media have seen the uh, the rough at Tory this week, it is going to be. Wow, <laughs> to say the very <laughs> least. So, anyway, getting back to what you were talking about, uh, Phil, Phil had some uh, some chipping advice you took, huh? He did, and and you know I, I talked just a little bit ago that the the good takeaway for me is that my chipping has been outstanding. Um, right. It all started about honestly about three and a half weeks ago when I watched a video 
that was posted to Instagram, and I I would love to play that clip for everyone. Uh, the audio on it enough is a takeaway within itself that you should be able to take the advice via audio and actually be able to go and, and chip spectacularly. Um, but due to uh, copyright infringement and all that good stuff, I won't do that. However, I will copy the link to the, uh, the Instagram post that someone else posted out there on my Instagram feed. And, um, and we will, uh, we'll share that with you. But here, here's essentially what the chipping video is. Uh, the chipping video is, it's a video of Phil basically walking down the basics of chipping, chipping 101. And essentially, this is what he says. He says, you know, chipping 101, it doesn't have to be complicated. He said, when it comes to chipping, it really comes down to three things. Number one, weight has to be on your front foot. If your weight is on your back feet, you're absolutely going to either come over top of the ball or you're going to hit it fat. Um, so you have to absolutely have your weight on your front feet. The second thing, hands have to be forward. If your hands are behind the ball, you're probably going to hit up on the ball and hit it thin, which causes that skull across the green. And then the third thing is you got to decide, are you going to go high or are you going to go low? Now, this was the biggest thing for me that was probably the biggest takeaway was Phil says, if you're going to go high, the ball has to be played on your front foot. If you're going to go low... It has to be played on your back foot. But the ball mm -hmm. never should be played in between your feet. Absolutely. Never in the middle of your stance. So, listeners, for those of you who want to see the full um, the full video, go out there on YouTube and, um, and search Phil Mickelson uh, hinge and hold video. He teaches this technique called the hinge and hold, which, uh, Garen, you touched on. You, you've taken a lot out of uh, ball position and uh, that's really helped you because you have quiet hands anyway. Um, but for those of us, myself, uh, who are flippy, uh, who tended to be flippy at the ball, and I still can be at times, especially if my nerves are really, uh, if it's a shot that, that, that really has my attention and, and is really, really messing with my nerves, I'll get flippy. Uh, but he teaches a hand technique called hinge and hold, and it basically sets your hands in front of the ball at address, or at takeaway, I'm sorry, and you hold them in that position all the way through impact, uh, and it, it prevents you from getting flippy. But got there on YouTube and, and searched the Phil Mickelson hinge and hold video. Uh, that whole series will talk about exactly what Garen's talking about and the, uh, the hand technique as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it has really paid dividends for me. And the other thing that I took away is outside of the Phil Mickelson video is a um, little shout-out to the Chasing Scratch guys, but the episode they did on the Seekman drills. Absolutely. Um, it it kind of talks to the same thing. It, it kind of talks yep. to the same language, but there was one thing that they talked about in the Seekman drills that I didn't hear Phil talk much about in his video, and that was the concept of opening up the club face just a little bit when you're hitting a chip shot. Using the bounce. Using, using the bounce. Yep. So. The this Seekman gentleman is a uh, is is one of the guys who who helps design uh, Vokey wedges for tour players. Titleist, Titleist, yeah. yes. Um, so he works alongside Bob Vokey and Titleist, and um, he he talks about the 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 bounce of the club being presented and how about ninety percent of us amateurs 
don't use the bounce like it's intended to be used. So what that bounce is on your club is literally what, what it is, what it's called. It's meant to be hit into the ground and bounce back up into the ball. Yep. That's what that's what a bounce is is uh, is intended to do. And the less bounce you have on your club, the more that it'll dig in. For me uh, personally, I'm not I'm not a, a a clipper of the ball. I don't I don't clip things, you know, super clean. I take a divot with just about everything. So I have to play a low or a higher bounce club, um, because if I played a low bounce club, I would just dig my wedge into the ground with just about every shot I hit. And uh, using the bounce and presenting the bounce a little more allows me to, to change my trajectory along with foot position. So, yeah, man, um, those two things are, are game changers. My, I, my chipping has long been the, uh, the bane of my golf existence, and I continue to get better this year. It's, it's the majority of my practice when I'm, when I'm out. Uh, is chipping and about 75 yards in and uh, I, I've gotten better this year I'm not where I want to be but I'm on the way yeah and like I told you the the kind of the drill that I've been working on is and I just kind of happened across it but uh, the drill I've been working on is actually just taking a golf ball and standing on a practice green and just tossing the golf ball some random location off in the rough right and, and then taking my taking my 60 degree my lob wedge and and practicing getting up and down so so i'll make my chip shot try to get up onto the green and and try to one or two putt at at worst and and just practice getting up and down and that has has really paid some dividends it's it's simple to do it's stupid that i haven't thought about it up to this point well i'll tell you i have i have stuck to my guns we discussed on the last podcast that i would be i would be chipping and running way more i have um, bumping and really, running. really chip and run, bump and run one, <laughs> one of the, one of the other, um, at, at any rate, I've played the bump and run, um, more than I had any time that I have green in front of me, I'm pulling a pitching wedge, a nine iron or an eight iron. Um, and my proximity to the hole has gotten better for that because I'm not trying to flop a hero shot up there with a 56 and, and stop it next to the hole. I'm using the green and I have more putts. Uh, I, I'm, I'm averaging two putts a hole right now, which I'm really, really proud of. My, my The amount of three putts that, that I have put up this year is very minimal. Um, I keep all of my putting and, and fairways and, and greens and regulation stats on, on gin and um, really proud of what I'm averaging putts per green. Uh, if I'm averaging two putts per green, I, I'll be happy with that forever. So, uh, I, I also chalk that up into, into not using my 56 as much, uh, and trying to, you know, trying to flop something up close and, and stop it. So, uh, really, really good. Pr- pretty proud of that. And I've stuck to my guns and I'm, I'm playing the bump and run like an old man. Yeah, me on the other hand, I'm starting to get a little more adventurous with mine. Now that I've gotten so much more confidence with my lob wedge, I am, uh, I am, uh, I am sticking that baby as close as I can. I've had some really, really pretty shots here lately, and believe it or not, the whole chipping thing has actually started paying a little bit of dividends out of the bunkers too. Sure, absolutely. I, I had one at Bird's Foot. My my buddy, uh, my buddy uh, Cody could attest to this, but I had one. At Birdsfoot, bunker was probably 
It was a green side bunker. It wasn't that far off, but uh, right. I, I put one within two foot of the hole out of a bunker. I've wow. Never, I've never done that. <laughs> Heck yeah. That's uh, that's awesome. But uh, so, so anyways, yeah, go check that stuff out. Um, I, I think there's a lot to be learned out there for Phil and some of the other chipping stuff out, that's out there. But, man, the chipping stuff will really, really help improve your game. But uh, anyway, we are talking about the PGA just for a couple minutes here. Uh, did, did you actually – did you watch a lot of the PGA championship outside of the last day of Phil? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I, 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 I followed it all week. What did, did you see all the temper tantrums? Uh, yeah. Um, so I, you know, I'm, I'm first of all, let, let me, let me get this out, out here because there, there are people who are going to call me on it. If I don't go ahead and say it, I am a, a ball of temper <laughs> on the golf course, not anywhere near as much as I used to be. Um, but, uh, I've been known in the past to be the, the most temperamental out on the golf course. Um, but there, there's some stuff that, that, you know, I, I can understand. Let me, I'll say this and I'll let you say your piece. I can totally understand getting upset. You're out there playing for your livelihood. You're literally playing for your supper. I get it. Understand it. But to freak out on a tee box and nearly kill somebody because you, because you take out literally a tee box, um, might be a little bit uncalled for. Uh, not the most professional look for the PGA. Um, yeah. So, and, so the one you're one you're talking about was Eric Van Royen. I am. Um, yes. If, if you haven't checked it out, folks, um, it's all over YouTube. I mean, you can find it pretty easily. But Eric Van Royen uh, essentially destroyed one of the T box T markers with his driver, yes. and all of the fragments basically uh i can't remember was it the other players uh caddy or was it was it the player yeah no it was the other player's caddy yeah just just, which is even worse yeah just peppered the guy's caddy with shrapnel from this plastic t-box marker that he just destroyed so i mean you know you're putting you're putting people's livelihood and and safety at risk here um i I didn't like it I, i thought it was a bad i thought it was a bad showing for the pga yeah, it was a bad look, man. It was it was definitely a bad look. Yeah, and then and then you had some others. Um, Henrik Stenson on the uh, I think it was the third day snapped a club in half. Um, yeah, Henrik's got a Henrik's always been that guy though. That's something you're gonna you're gonna expect out of him and Sergio and John Rom. Uh, John Rom had a had a couple uh, had a couple little little flare ups too. Yeah, my my favorite was the Wyndham Clark one though, where he. Uh, he chipped two or three times. I think it was on number two. That highly that that elevated green that had an extremely um, slick slope to it, and and he yep. he left it short two or three times. And I think it was on the third time the ball came back down, and he just very quietly went over to his golf bag and just proceeded to uh, pummel it with his golf club. And his caddy didn't even <laughs> flinch. <laughs> caddy didn't even flinch. I'm like, he's he's been here before. <laughs> dude's just wailing on the bag and the guy's like all right well get it out get it out just get it out i felt i mean tr- trust me i felt bad for the guy i was like I, i'm right. like i'm laughing but at the same time i'm like we've all been there dude like oh god 
we've all been there. It just sucks that it happened to him during the PGA Championship. But oh my goodness. Well, like you know, it, it's it. Like I said, it's a major man. You you you, you understand? And I like I love. I saw on Instagram the other day. I got into a, into a debate with a guy on Instagram over. It, so Justin Thomas is my my favorite my favorite new player right now. JT is my guy. That's, you know, I, I, I love his, his style of play. I love the way he hits the ball. I like, he's a smaller guy, kind of like me. Um, you know, he, he just, I I like JT's style of play and I, I I like the way he dresses too. So anyway, um, JT misses a putt for birdie and it was a very makeable, like four foot, nothing to it and he hits a little push past the hole and there's water you know obviously every one of those holes had water around it jt you know finishes his hole out bends over picks the the ball out of the hole and proceeds to dr j skyhook the ball into the water (laughs) and i was like Yes, that is that's that's the look we're looking for. But there was a guy who was like, "That's uncalled for. He needs to be fined." Blah blah blah. I'm like, dude, just sky hooked his golf ball into the water. Would you rather him like, you know, freak out and put a put a putter divot into the into the green? No, nah, he right. just didn't want to see that ball anymore. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know. There there is a fine line. I think the the tee box tantrum. I think the yeah, Snapping that's too the far. Clubs and beating the beating the the bag might be a bit much, but you know, tossing a ball into the water, I, I can tell you now, I had around. Uh, it may have been it was probably like the week before I shot the one or two or something like that. But I, I had a uh, I had a round where I had just hit some bad shots with the ball, and I hit literally finished the hole with it and just tossed it into the pond. <laughs> I've I've been there. I've been there as of late. I I, I had a I had a ball at Silver Creek that we finished we we finished on a par 5 and you can you can turn around off the green and look back down into the valley and there was nobody coming in behind us so I just took my wedge and I hit it back down the fairway for somebody to find. Yeah. I mean it, that one's not as egregious <laughs> but yeah, I think the takeaway from this though is I do think that in certain circumstances, you know, when you're damaging property like the tee box incident, I yeah. do think that's a findable offense. I, I I completely agree. I completely and totally agree with that. Yeah, I, I do think that they need to. Uh, there needs to be a line drawn. But uh, I mean, I, yeah, you're right. I've seen you helicopter throw your seven iron across the fairway. But uh, that, listen, that was a long day. Clubs are too expensive to break, though. We won't break them. <laughs> no, I'm not breaking anything. Like I um, I, this wasn't even out of anger. So I tossed my 56 degree wedge off the green the other day, literally just getting it out of the way. Like I, I, I just hit a really good shot. I was in really good spirits, but I tossed it off the green so I could grab it on the way off. Well, it landed square on the butt of the club and just the way that it landed, it like whipped into the ground and I was like, Oh God, no, <laughs> these are too expensive. <laughs> yeah, so I, I get it. Totally understand it. Yeah. There's some people don't care, man. I played, uh, I'm not going to mention the guy's name because I know you know who he is. I, all I'm going to say this it is one of your baseball nemesis and everybody called him Crybaby. I know you're going to yep. know who he was. Anyways. Absolutely. Uh, I played with Crybaby in high school, and he constantly wrapped his golf clubs around trees, and Daddy would have him reshafted. It, it was – Yeah, must – must uh must have some well-to-do parents it is yeah. what it is yeah yeah he, he would constantly do it and i was just sitting there like shaking my head but 
it, it's kind of funny that we're talking about this because my uh, a friend of the family was out at uh, one of the courses in your neck of the woods, Little Creek, down there in Charleston, uh, just yep. a couple, just a couple weeks ago. And uh, he texted me a picture, and he said, somebody must be having a really bad day. And he sent me a picture, and it was basically a, a snapped driver shaft, now he, or a snapped club shaft, and he had kept, the person had kept the head. Uh, right. But in, like, four different trash cans that, that my buddy went to, he found a shaft that had been snapped. <laughs> so it's like, holy cow, like... Who who has the cash to keep doing that? But anyways, yeah. what a long day! What a long day! But uh, what a long day! So anyways, uh, you know, put a bow on that topic and move on to our last one here as we finish up. Uh, we had some homework to do since the last. Yeah, episode. yeah, it was a good time, man. Um, it got so we 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 decided collectively that we were going to record our bad misses. And Garen said, you know, I've got a little surprise. I'm going to do a little work uh, to to the data and uh, kind of analyze it and kind of give the folks out there in podcast land um, kind of a, an insight into, you know, what what we might be what what might be going on, what might be trending, and how we can fix that. So I am prepared to listen intently because this is the first that I'm hearing all of this uh, after giving you my data. So hit me with it, dude. So the whole crux of this, me having you put this data together, was based on, believe it or not, something that came out of a training that I was doing at work here a little over a month ago. So cool. I, uh, without getting into what I do for my day job, uh, I was doing this training, and, and the training was in reference to human error mitigation, trying to prevent human error. And, and the crux of this training is based around the principle that human error can actually be not only prevented, but actually predicted, all right? And, and the predictors that you look for before a person is about to make an error, right. we, we call those triggers. Okay. And the triggers are, are really very simple all of us have experienced them at some point in time or another. And as I'm doing this training, I, I can't help but sit there and think to myself, this sounds a lot like my golf game. <laughs> so so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what the triggers are, and you tell me if it sounds like your golf game. All right? Let's hear it. So here's the triggers. When you are in one of these states of mind – you have a 50-50 chance that your next decision or your next choice or your next action could result in an error. All right? Okay. So here's the triggers. Anytime that you are rushing, anytime that you are frustrated, anytime that you're fatigued, anytime that you are complacent, or my, my most favorite is anytime that you're in a non-standard situation, meaning you're faced with a situation you've never been faced with before and you don't necessarily have the knowledge or skills on how to handle that situation. Get out of my head. Those, <laughs> those are the triggers, okay? Okay. Sound a lot like your golf game? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll just say yes and move on. So the reason that I had you record your misses because I wanted to look for – I wanted to look for trends with regards to 
was there situations that you were in that fell into one of those categories? Right. And, and when we really, when we dove into the data that you sent, here's what it came out to. When we broke down our last four rounds of golf and we looked right. at all of our misses, I had 18 strokes that could have been saved wow. if I would have if I would have paid attention to the triggers. You so might, that's over four rounds. That's over four rounds. That's basically... Uh, could have saved you almost five, five strokes a round, almost. Almost five strokes a round. So we talk about getting down into the, into the single-digit handicaps and shooting into the 70s pretty consistently. That there 80, it is. That 83 I shot at Conley, that turns into, into a 70s round. Wow. Okay. So, so here is the... And you, looking at your data, you had 12. Okay. You, you had 12 strokes in your last, in your last four rounds... That sure. could have been saved had you been able to recognize that you're in an error prone state and you're getting ready to make a decision. All right. <laughs> okay. So here's the piece of the puzzle that I don't have the answer to. All right. In this training, in this model that, that we do that, that helps reduce human error, we implement tools to try to reduce human error. All right. Okay. One of those tools will be like, for example, if you're rushing or you're complacent or, you know, you're maybe even in the case you're frustrated or fatigued, all those error prone states, you can implement a checklist. All right. Sure. So it got me kind of thinking, well, how in the world do you implement a checklist with a game of golf? You know, it's not necessarily something that you can, you know, run through a step by step process. If we did, my God, the pace of play would be terrible. But (laughs) well. So something that you so you you saying checklist dinged off something in my mind, and I I think you're probably going to go with me on this one. What about uh, do you have a pre-shot routine? I don't, and that's that's one of the things that crept into my mind is I don't have a pre-shot routine. Now there there is me one, either. There is one thing that I do, and I only do it with with my irons, and that's it. Okay. The only pre-shot routine that I have is when I'm taking a practice swing with my irons, I look to see if my divot in my practice swing was in front of my ball. Right. If my divot is not in front of my ball on my practice swing, then I know I need to readjust the position of the ball. But I will tell you this, I'd say probably 50% of the time, I ignore the fact that it, that my divot wasn't in front <laughs> of the ball, and I still take the swing anyway. Dude, have you have you ever have you ever made the worst practice swing in the world? Like the very the, it felt bad, it looked bad. Like you ch- like you take an entire acre of of real estate with you, and you're like, all right, step up to the ball, let's do this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's like, then you hit it, and you you either you know skull it or you hit it fat, and it goes ten yards, and you're like, why did I do that? I knew I didn't feel comfortable doing that. And that gets into these triggers. Like if you yeah, pay, man. if you pay attention to the triggers, you can save yourself a lot of heartache. And sure. So, you know, I think that our, our next homework assignment without taking too much time up on this podcast is where do we go from here with this data? Where where what are the tools that we can put into place to help shave these strokes? Because I mean I mean five strokes is is huge. Three strokes is huge. 
Yeah. That puts me in that puts me into the seventies consistently. Two of my yeah, three strokes around uh so my last four, that would have put me at seventy five, seventy seven, eighty one, eighty two. Yep. And, and and you know, just to kind of look at your data and my data a little bit. Um, some of those human performance, human error, whatever you want to call them, moments that we had uh, were a result of being either asked to play through or yep. rushing to the rushing to the tee box because you're late for your tee time. So there, <laughs> there comes in the rushing element. Right. So, so well, you, I, I really think that there's something there. I don't have the answer today, uh, but I think it's something we need to brainstorm over the next month and and really you know really put some thought into how can we you know how can we mitigate some of this stuff what are some tools we can put into place to look at the predictors and and have a solution in place when we're faced with those situations so listeners and in you know you, you can or you can't doesn't matter one way or the other but reach out to us on on instagram or or um comment on any of of the pittsburgh golf hacks uh youtube videos or do we have a do we have an email address that you can put in the uh in the show notes actually do it's uh it is pga or pgh golf hack at gmail.com so uh email us uh the, the the email address will be in the show notes and if you have something that you use uh that 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 kind of calms you down any any kind of routine uh tell us what it is and we'll kind of highlight it on the show next next month whenever we're talking about what we've done over the past month to to mitigate these mistakes because you know for me my thought process is is um a pre-shot routine and then also if i'm getting asked to play through i'm taking my time uh from now on and I'm going to tell those guys, you know, if I get waved through, you know, those guys are going to are going to say, you know, you can go ahead and play through. I'm going to say, well, you know, just so you know, guys, I'm going to go ahead and take my pre-shot routine. I'll, I'll get down there as quickly as I can. But, you know, I'm going to take my pre-shot routine. Give me just a minute and yep. and go through it instead of just jumping up, uh, hitting the ball and running to it. So that's that's going to be my resolution uh, for the next month's work, because I play a lot alone, as do you. Yep. And uh, I get asked to play through quite a bit. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll mull through that a little bit over the next month. And, uh, cool. And hopefully we'll have some, some, maybe some, some cool stuff to bring your all's way uh, on the next episode. But uh, Yeah. So to close us out, Rich, just a little quick plug. If this is the, uh, the first time that you've chimed in to the Pittsburgh Golf Hack podcast, make sure you follow at all the social media links. So uh, Instagram and Twitter is PGHGolfHack. And on uh, YouTube, you can find the Pittsburgh Golf Hack YouTube channel. And on Facebook, it's just simply the, the Pittsburgh Golf Hack. So uh, Cool. Yeah, like, subscribe, follow us on, on Instagram, Facebook, uh, t- Twitter, uh, all that good stuff. And uh, next month, I think we're going to be talking a little bit about um, not only that, but Garen and I have got some toys uh, that we've been kind of going back and forth. And I want to give you guys a, uh, a little bit, bit of a ball review. So... My uh, 13th wedding anniversary was yesterday, and uh, my wife was gracious enough to get me five dozen of the Vice Professional golf balls. So the Vice Pros are going to be in the bag for the next month, and uh, I'll tell you guys how they play and give you my honest uh, 
my honest stand up. I play uh, Strix on Z Star and and Titleist Pro V ones. So uh, I'm gonna do a little ball review for you guys next month. Sounds good, man. Well, folks, until the next time, you all get out and hit them straight, and keep on hacking. What up, folks? This is your boy, the Pittsburgh Golf Hack, and you're listening to the official podcast. This is Garen. This is Rich. And you're listening to Episode 5, The Lloyd Christmas. (laughs) Dude, hey, just when you thought our golf games... (laughs) Sorry. That, that's going to be an outtake. Uh, oh, no. Let, let's try this again. Oh, God. Let me compose myself. Oh, I knew where you were going with it. Oh, oh, okay. All right. All right. Reload. Let's do this. Okay. Come on. You, you like the seriousness of it.